Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Campionato di calcio italiano. Welcome along to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Connor Clancy. Joining me this week is Vito Doria. As ever, Vito, welcome back. Yeah, thank you, Connor. Um, looking forward to the Serie A discussion, even though the results weren't too pleasing, but still here, We're ready to chat. Yeah, of all the teams to lose to Vito, come on. Um, also joining us is the equally as happy Nicholas Carroll. Nick, last I saw Inter return up that was seen out okay, I assume. Yeah. Um, not the best finish to the game, but uh, look, there's good football going on, so I'm going to stay objective. I'm going to keep the emotion out of it, out of things. You know I'm the constant professional, so it's going to work. Oh. All right. Well, look, there's a first time for everything. And also joining us this week is Dov Schiavone from the San Siro. Dov. Hello, everybody. I know uh, you did. This is just two weeks in a row. The wee tractor man's came back again. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is going to be fun. He's, like, he's came back and he's, he's sitting right beside me as well. Like, he's like, Jesus Christ, go away, tractor man. It's not a tractor, right. forklift, sorry. He's forklifting all the rubbish. All right, stop That's going off on tangents rubbish. already. Come on, you've got I to go back and do the press conferences. Rain yeah, it up, Emily. Right, quick, one, hop, go. All right, say uh, things. Dove, you're at San Siro, so we'll start with Inter. They... <laughs> They were coasting, and I stopped paying attention to that score from the Marassi, and then all of a sudden I saw people laughing at them, checked it, and they had thrown it away. What happened there? Well, the first half, they were really, really good. I think the first half was probably the Inter that, that all the Inter fans were expecting last week. Um, surprisingly, Spalletti went with three at the back. He played a 3-4-3, three, three, and it worked. Uh, Asamoah was brilliant on the left for Shalako, equally as good on the right. Then you had Politano and Perisic. 
fast, dangerous, causing trouble the whole first half. They, really, they should have been more than two ahead, if I'm being perfectly honest. And then in the second half, I think it was 10 minutes in, like Iago Falke just smashed a ball up the a long ball. And it was kind of like, you could have seen Bellotti think, nah, he's got, I think it was De Vrij, I think he's got to get this, this will be fine. Um, and he, he managed to get in front of the defender and then the touch took it past Handanovic, but it was weird because the way he took it past him was, it was almost like a, a glitch in like Pez or FIFA or something like that. Like you didn't expect it to happen. Oh, a cat's just walked by. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so you didn't expect it to what the fuck is that? And then Artie panicked because the what? Why are you talking about cats? I can't hear you, Connor Clancy. A cat just walked in front of me. You don't get cats. Anyway, what I was saying was, I thought Spalletti panicked um, after that goal winner. So I was kind of like a go from nothing, and then he changed to it went to a back four, and. Then Asamoah had an injury. Dalbert came on two minutes after Dalbert came on. He changed the formation again to the 4-2-3-1. And then they conceded again. And kind of from there, they didn't look anywhere near as dangerous. And it's kind of like an inter thing. It was, it was almost inter did an inter. Kind of that's what they do. So I think for me, maybe some individual blame from Dalbert, maybe a bit from Handanovic. But I think you've got to really question Spalletti and what he was thinking about. Right, I'm glad you've brought it there because, Nick, I'm bringing you in with a comment from Sam Fox. There's two things that baffle me in this world. One, why do, why do they put baby, why do they put pockets on baby's clothes? And the other is why people rate Spalletti as a coach. Take it away. Why do they put pockets on baby clothes? Um, good question. Well, uh, I don't know, dummies and stuff. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not that um, negative, actually, as as Dov um, seems to be about Inter. I thought there was a lot of things to be uh, showed a lot of promise, specifically as you said in the first half. I think that that three four three somewhat formation um, it looked really good, looked really exciting. Uh, Politano and Perisic, the way they were kind of mixing things up in attack, going from left to right changing things up, Icardi dropping back, uh, helping in the build-up play. Um, it's very different to the same old predictable inter-attack that we've seen season upon season with just the crosses into Icardi. So I thought it was um, it was really good. Obviously, that first half, as Dov said, it's exactly what Inter fans have wanted to see. Um, and in the second half, yeah, obviously disappointing, but uh, I, I think some of, a lot of the credit needs to go to Torino because they pressed high and they forced the mistakes on Inter. They've, they forced them into a, a negative type of approach. And Brozovic, who was strong in the first half, he was really conducting things. But hold, all... on, Nick, 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 hold on, do you not think that's then a, a thing apart on Inter? Inter should be able to go right there, press us a bit more. We should be able to counteract that because if you go like man for man, Inter have got a better team than in Torino. Inter shouldn't be letting Torino kind of dictate a game. Uh, especially when they're 2 nil down. Inter should be seeing that out as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, 100%. I'm not, it's, it's not saying that, you know, 2-2 was a good result. It's saying that there's there's a lot of work to be done, of course, and that's probably a thing with mindset when you're 2-0 two up. Two nil up. Um, I think it's clearly very easy to, um, you know, confidence and having the right mindset is not Inter's strength, let's be honest. And, um, you know, that's something that they need to work on. You look at the likes of Napoli who continually have fought back or or even Juventus, they they show how to be champions. You need that mental strength and Inter certainly doesn't have that. 
Um, so yeah, they need to be able to push back against teams like Torino with all due respect, but, um, you know, they didn't do it today, but there's still lots of positives there. And, uh, I, I don't think it's the end of the world just yet. CS has come into the comments to say, why do people rate Inter as a team? And Aaron Holland has backed that up. But why do people rate Milan as a footballing city? Vito, where do you stand on this? Can, can, do you come somewhere between Vito? That's or... a bit harsh. Pipe down. Pipe down. One point from two games, Nick. Speak when you're challenging for the top four again, yeah? <laughs> Vito, where do you stand on this whole Inter debate? Nick said that they need to change their mentality. Surely that is something that Spalletti is directly responsible for. Oh, absolutely. And I don't understand it with Inter, but it seems to be some historical thing or something with the club culture. They just have this habit of self-destructing in games. I thought Inter looked pretty promising in the first half with that 3-4-3 formation. And for me, that's the way to go moving forward. Playing 4-2-3-1 does not suit the squad Spalletti has at his disposal. So, you know, it's come to the point that Spalletti's got to stick with the 3-4-3 and they just got to keep persisting, keep attacking. Don't um, don't think that everything's all done and dusted at 2-0. As the old cliche goes, 2-0 is the hardest lead to defend. So keep going for the 3-0. Go for the 4-0. Yeah, well, that, well, that's not really Italian football, Vito. They're not going to do that. I think... Well, the game's evolving, Bob. they got to get out of this 1960s to 1980s. That's, 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 the, that's the, what happened. If they want to defend, they should go to Greece. Greece can play that. Greek got to do with it. Greece was Greece is not they, Greece. Yeah, but they won Euro 2004 playing that football. Italy yeah, well, hasn't yeah, done yeah, well yeah, with that Vito. football since the 1960s. Italy produces the talent. They got to stop being afraid. Stop being a bunch of fairies and go for the kill. They got the talent. I believe in them. Stop crapping their pants. Wait, right, calm down, Vito. Um, no, but you, teams, you can't go and attack a team for 90 minutes. It's physically impossible. If you look at any team that tries it, they get, they're knackered after 60, 60, 75 minutes and then they'll get picked off because they, you can't play attacking, attacking, attacking for that long a length of time. Any football coach will yeah, tell you that. Yeah, but that's an Italian mindset. Outside no, of the Italian Peninsula, All right, they, they can't do it. They're English, they're a German coach. They can't do it. Barcelona try it. They can't do it. Any, any team that plays a, a game like that, that attacks, 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 eventually they'll run out of steam. And that's why... Teams don't do that. Juventus don't do that. Milan do that. Napoli don't. Teams don't do that. They can't do it. The, 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 thing, the thing that Inter need to do is manage the game well. If you're 2-0 up, you yeah, can manage the, the game well. Vito, don't, don't shout, mate. Vito, don't shout at me. Listen, don't shout. Like, I can I'm still not, hear you when you talk listen. normally. Just relax, right? Have a discussion like a normal adult. Um, <laughs> but teams can't do that. It's just, that's the thing. You can't press for 90 minutes and attack, 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 because you'll lose. Yeah, but the reserves, you know, on the reverse side, you can't slow down after 50, 60 minutes. There's still another 30 minutes you can still play. You don't need necessarily have to go gung-ho, but this sort of game management thing doesn't work either. You've got to find the middle ground. And Inter, well, that, 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 That's like, what game management is, is finding that middle ground, and Inter clearly can't do it. No, they suck at it. But look, the where does that responsibility lie? Because they brought in players like Borja Valero before and he is directly responsible for controlling games like this. When that doesn't work, Spalletti's got to think of something. Nick, you watched the game tonight. 
what was where did it go wrong or is it just a complete inter doing it's, inter it's inter mentality that's all it was it's pure and simple inter were so dominant in that first half i was actually thinking to myself it's rare that i'm sitting here watching a match and think and just feeling calm and relaxed during an inter match you never feel that's that and then of course they're like it's it's like the players were clearly feeling the same way because then the whole game just shifted. So that's the kind of thing that they need to change. But, you know, calming things down a bit, like I, I don't actually think it's that bad. I think there's a lot to actually like about Torino going forward um, that, you know, we, that we probably possibly need to talk about. We can probably do that more in future weeks. But I, I don't think it's, you know, all, you know, for me to say that. But I, I think it's fine. Relax. I, I think so. I, I, <laughs> I think trust in what Spalletti is doing, give him a chance. There's lots of new players there that's, you know, he might need to tinker a bit with the formation to find what works best. And that's fine. You know, that's, they only went to four at the back once Asamo went off. Um, he looked like he was injured. So, uh, you know, just, just let him have a couple of weeks and then we'll, uh, then we'll start having a, a bigger debate if we're still on one point, but it's, there's a lot to be, there's a lot to, be uh, positive about, I think. So, I'm not. I'm not so sure that I'd agree that there's a lot to be positive about. But I, I take your message. Your what, what do you, message, what do you mean? There's not a lot time. to be positive about. Did you see? The, if you watch the first half, of course there is stuff right, to be next, positive okay, about. Okay, Inter okay, hasn't then. played like that. that. Inter hasn't played that kind of football for years. There is a lot to look forward to. Look and look at the bench when they're playing like that. There, of course, you can't say there's not anything to be positive about. There is a shitload. Right. The, the results You're aren't right. there. But. You can't say off a 45-minute performance, 45 minutes out of 180, you cannot say there are a lot of positives to take. I'm it's not saying that's good enough. I'm saying there's positives to take, which Inter, based on their yes. mentality that they need, they need to be positive, do they not? We're talking about Inter's poor poor mentality, but you're saying, oh, well, negative, negative, negative. Well, no, no, you're no, part no. of the problem, aren't you? If, that's, if you actually if let got... me finish speaking for once, Nick, instead of jumping down my throat, you would have heard me say that there are some positives and it's still, early, it's still too early to be getting too critical. I'm, I'm not here to argue. You three are here to argue. I'm here to kind of lead the conversation. Well, so I, I just heard them going at it and I was like, I thought this is what we're doing today. Andrea Balotti scored, which is nice. Yeah, he had a brilliant season the season before last. Last season, injuries kind of hurt him a little bit, but he's back scoring now. Is he going to have a big season this year or what, what are we thinking for him? I think he needs to. Um, obviously, last year, like you mentioned, kind of was niggling injuries. He really didn't, he didn't anywhere hit the form he did the year before, which kind of had a lot of top club. All right, Dove, you're breaking up. If you're you breaking up. To. Can you hear me now? Yeah, you're good. Right, is it, I was saying that he needs to kind of get back amongst the goals. I mean, he was on the cusp of moving away the year before last. And I think if he wants to get to a big team, he needs to have another good year um, at Torino. And obviously he's the main focal point. Can it? The, the attacking play is built for him, so he needs to get in the goals. It was good tonight, especially in the second half. He was causing havoc. I think at times he dropped a bit too deep to get the ball, um, but it was always there and thereabouts, um, especially in the second half. So I think the signs are promising for him to kind of get back to where he was a couple of years ago. Let's hope so. Um, they definitely seem to have a squad being built around him that could look to get the best out of him this season. Him and Zaza could strike up a decent partnership there. Um, 
if Zaza actually starts to play and remembers how to play football like he did with Valencia last season. But I, I think I'm done with Inter. Sorry, everyone who was enjoying the, the drama, but I think it's going to calm down now because we're going to... Oh, no, I won't say it. Dove, you were Inter in for Juventus Lazio mm-hmm. on Cristiano Watch. Um, I suppose we'll start with the, the best player of all time. How did he do? Can we just put Z emojis <laughs> on this? Because that was a rubbish game of football, I'll tell you. Oh, I'm glad um, you said but, it and not me. Oh, it, was, it wasn't very good. Everybody there didn't think it was very good. All, obviously, the expect, expectation was on Ronaldo. Ronaldo's home debut to get his first goal. That didn't happen. He, <laughs> he tried his best, though. Um, but the, th- the thing that I took from it was that Juve didn't look like they'd come out of third gear. Like It was so easy for them. And this is a team that beat them last season as well at the at the Allianz Stadium. So you kind of would have expected Lazio to put up a bit more of a fight, especially since they were beaten in week one as well. Um, and that's the first time I think they've lost, because they lost a couple of games at the end of last season as well. I think it's the first time under Simone Inzaghi they've lost five in a row. So that's not good. I expected that they don't need to be in top gear. They can beat Lazio fifth place last year, fourth for the majority. Dov, you're cutting out again, so I'll let you maybe walk somewhere else and I'll throw it to someone else. All right, Dov, shut up for a minute. You're cutting off. So, Vito, did you watch the Lazio Juventus game yesterday? Because personally, I couldn't take anything from this game. And I don't know how many times last season we said that Juve weren't really worth watching because they just do what they do. This year, I got a bit excited thinking they might actually play some good stuff, but it's just... The exact same. Mm. Well, put it this way. Although Juventus dominated possession, I think anything good that they produced was more based on any moments of individual brilliance or any great touches on the ball from certain players like Cancelo, um, Douglas Costa when he came on, Federico Bernardeschi in the first half, and some of those guys, and even Pjanic, you know, when he was dictating the play, but otherwise, collectively, they're still not um, the most exciting team to watch. That being said, I never, re- I can't recall Lazio being this bad under Simone Inzaghi. I thought, although they lost just 2-0, um, they really looked very devoid of ideas, and I can't recall them looking so under unimaginative under Inzaghi. I expected much more from Lazio, and I hope that, in the next round, they get that real confidence boost against Frosinone because they've had two tough games. Yeah, the fixtures haven't been kind to them at all, to be fair. Last two's, last season's top two. Vito, you are safe because Dov has had to go inside and do the press conference against San Siro, <laughs> so you can breathe easily, have a drink of water, and um, it's going to be relaxing from here on in. But Nick's up for it, but yeah. I think Nick just wants to fight me. So, Nick, uh, what did you make of Early Vito events. <laughs> All right, Nick, actually, forget that. There's a question that's come in from Filippo Cacamo. Are Juventus lacking a playmaker? They seem overly reliant on service from Douglas Costa and Bernardeschi without an option down the middle. Uh, somewhat. I mean, Pjanic kind of steps into that role at times, but uh, it, it's hard in the way their formation at the moment. So it's, I think they do, but... It's it's hard to see them playing in a, in another way. I'm, I don't know. That's that's a good question actually because how, 
I think that's possibly what they're struggling with, how they're actually playing with, particularly with Cristiano Ronaldo in that team where they've obviously got him up front um, to start with and then he kind of moves to the to the edge with Mandzukic when he goes central and then how Pjanic kind of plays into that. And then um, it's So I think it is a bit of a balancing act at the moment. There's no clear... Uh, no clear strategy in terms of what they really need to do. And as, as you kind of said, that's, I think, uh, as Vito was saying, you know, it, you look to people like Bernadeschi to, to just kind of create something from nothing. So, yeah, I don't know if it's, if it's something that they just need more time playing together or if, if the formation actually needs to possibly change, but there is something kind of missing centrally, definitely. So, but as you said, Connor, it's the same old Juventus. They still manage to get the wins, which is incredibly boring for many neutral fans, but that's the way it is. Mm. Well, in this, whatever they're playing with, Douglas Costa and someone else playing either side of Cristiano Ronaldo to begin with, that creative spark in the middle kind of falls on the shoulders of the likes of Emery Chan and Merlin Pjanic. And mm. Pjanic did make the difference in the game against Lazio, but it was from a goal. Vito what are they supposed to do to address this? Should they switch it up to a, something more of a 4-2-3-1 more consistently, get Dybala into that central channel creating things? Or is he even really able to do that when he's playing with someone like Ronaldo? I have my concerns about that. And when if I see Juventus playing a 4-2-3-1, I just think Dybala plays too deep just to be accommodated into the system. I know the 4-4-2 seems to be more or less an obsolete system these days, but looking at some teams around Europe, you've got Barcelona, RB Leipzig that use it, and the Swedish national team used it. So maybe the Juventus with the players at their disposal, they could somehow revive it, even if it's just for the sake of accommodating Dybala and Ronaldo in that one attack. But I think at the end of the day, I reckon it's more just Allegri's approach than a lack of a proper playmaker that's really hurting Juve. I think it's just he's got to be more adventurous in his mindset. And regardless of what formation it is, he might also, another thing too is that he might also need to just cut down on the holding midfields or defensive midfields instead of having Kadira and Matuidi should maybe just pick one over the other. Yeah, it's a strange one because it's easy to kind of criticise Juve for being boring and whatever, but they're still getting results. And their ambition this season isn't to win Serie A because I think we can all admit they will do it. They're, they're going to win Serie A this season. We, we all kind of thought Inter would be their biggest challenges this season. And look at that's unfolding at the moment. Nick, stay they will. quiet. They will. Okay, okay right. Stay quiet. Be though. patient. Be patient. <laughs> Um, they're just going to be 15 points off and that's going to be the closest rival. But Juve will be judged by their success in Europe. And if they can just stroll to these easy victories early on, then what's the point in them doing anything more? Nick, would you be as critical of Allegri as Vito? Uh, Maybe not as critical, but I, I share the same sentiment that that's probably where it's lacking, but... I don't know how, how much is the care factor for Serie A, as you kind of, you know, were basically alluding to there that, you know, Champions League is going to be where it's at. So if they can just get by with these kind of performances and then really put it together for the Champions League, I don't think them or any of their fans are really going to care. So, um, 
yeah, it's kind of a bit morbid, really. Um, to lighten things up a bit, Vito, how funny is it that Cristiano Ronaldo still hasn't scored? <laughs> oh, it's rather, it's rather surprising, but at the same time, it just goes to show when you're adapting to different styles that, you know, you're going to have some challenges at the start. I still believe he can adapt and he will get on the scoreboard, but, you know, it's uh, early days. And, of course, when you compare the Italian style to the Spanish and the English um, of course, that attention to detail in the off-ball movements and in the defensive phase is going to be tougher. So, yeah, it's a tough experience for him at the moment, but I still back into firing the goals. But uh, just so, just go, quickly, yeah, if that's all right, I'll just quick comment on Lazio, but I wanted to sure. say that... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Lazio will come. Lazio will come. Oh, so, okay. Um, sticking Scratch with Cristiano, Aaron Holland has pointed out exactly what I was about to say. His assist, assist for Man <laughs> was amazing. I don't know, I'm sure everyone has seen it, but if not, the ball came across. It was Strakosha got a touch on it, and it came at the edge of the six-yard box. And Cristiano Ronaldo basically shot it with his right foot against the back heel of his left foot, and it bounced backwards. And Manzukic just tapped it in. Um, I was actually talking to Kev Pogorzelski about this. Kev, there you go. I've said your name. You can be happy. And he reckons that Cristiano is going to flop in Serie A this year. I don't quite agree with that, but he's not going to score 50 goals. Um, what constitutes a failure for him in his first season? Just talking about numbers in Serie A, because we know that he'll be judged by winning the Champions League. But if he scores 15 goals in Serie A, has he failed in Italy, Nick? No, not necessarily. I don't think so. I d- I- I mean, I've I've picked him as the top scorer, but I think it's it's too easy to say it's a failure. But it, it depends. There's so many variables with that in terms of how Juventus, the whole attack is going as a team. You know, I think that's possibly going to be the big thing. How Ronaldo fits in with maybe not being the the star, but being one of the stars of a team. And, you know, if, if that 15 goals and, you know, 15 or 16 assists works in with the, the rest of Juve's attack, then no, it's not a failure. So, and I, th- I think from, from everything I've seen so far, it's still obviously very early days, so I won't even get into any of the stats. But so far, the, all the stats kind of say that it's going to be a lot more harder defensively. Um, I mean, the defence is going to be a lot more difficult for Ronaldo to break through because uh, his stats are very much down on previous season. Yeah, I would agree with that. I thought against Chievo, he kind of rubbed me up the wrong way. I thought he came over thinking it was going to be really easy. He was Kev described him as a bit of a show pony in that game. And then against Lazio, I thought he was just bad, which, to be fair, we I've seen Cristiano Ronaldo have a terrible game before and still score a hat-trick, you know, cause, and I'm sure he will do that plenty of times this season. He'll probably be the worst player on the pitch, but in the last 10 minutes, he'll score seven goals or something, and he'll win Juve the league and the Champions League and the Coppa Italia and the club world cup and anything else they're in but what about the anti-juve i don't know what we're being accused of there uh cs says that as long as juve win the champions league surely that means ronaldo will win the ballon d'or yeah but that's how it works isn't it It doesn't really matter if he's the best player if they win the champions league he'll win the ballon d'or because he's cristiano um yeah and he rightly points out which will be seen as a success 15 goals or not right nick you wanted to talk about lazio Anything in particular? Uh, oh, no, it was just a brief comment, really, that um, I actually 
uh, it's probably the same. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being very positive, jovial today. I don't know why. But um, I just wanted to say that I'm willing to give them more time because, as Vito mentioned before, that like you you literally could not have a starter a harder start to this season one and two from last season. And yeah, they haven't looked great. They've looked very stale. I mean, Milinkovic Savage has been basically uh, nowhere. Um, so yeah, it's, it hasn't been great. I'm not going to try and pretend that they have been anything but that, but I've got to give them a chance. And how many times every season you see some teams that they just need that little bit of confidence and just that start, that first win to get things going. So, you know, it's, it's still a very similar squad to last season. So I, I think they they've, we can give them plenty of time. I think they'll still be up there. So a bit of confidence, a bit of, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll get there. Yeah. You, well, you'd expect them to beat Frozenone and Ampoli coming up next. And then they've got before the end of October, they play Roma, Fiorentina and Inter. So it could be a tricky enough start for them. Vito. No, I, Sorry, I've got a Go stat. On. I've got a nice stat for you. It's the, the first time they've lost their first two matches since 2006 when they lost against Palermo and AC Milan to start the season. And do you have where they finished in, the, in Serie A last season? I think it was fifth or sixth. No, I'm not sure. You've actually. just made that up. Um, yeah, I just kind of guessed. Um, right, you go stat- find that out. Was it around then? Vito. So we're going to talk about Sergei. He's been anonymous this year and he was linked with moves for 120 million this summer. And I know I, I almost hate criticizing players' teams this early on because it is two games into the season. But do you think his head was turned this summer? And if so, will Inzaghi be able to turn it back? Now, again, it's going to be very tough to do so because there was a lot of attention on him and he underperformed at the World Cup for Serbia too. So, It'd be interesting to see how his season progresses from here. Um, I'm not entirely certain if he's been given a new contract or anything, but uh, if uh, Lotito can uh, improve on his wages, I'm sure that would give him enough reason to return to form, to show that he's wanted. And Nick has his fingers in the air. I don't know why. (laughs) Third. They finished third that season. Sorry. So fifth or sixth was a terrible guess. Well, it was a couple off. You just picked the third. <laughs> I, thought <laughs> I thought it was a good guess. I was like, well, you know, got the well, first that'll be more, then. That'll be more reassuring to Lazio fans. You can still finish third, guys. Don't worry about it. Because hey, Inter well, have second in, wrapped up, don't they? Two, in 2014-15, Juventus started the season with two losses as well to Roma and Udinese. So, mm. hey, this could be the title. This could be the start. Right. Um, also, oh, I've got another one for you because I just want everyone to stay positive ah. today. All right. Now, um, <clears throat> well, actually, this isn't that positive. It's quite a downer. But <laughs> I'll leave it till the end. I'll, I'll build the suspense. It's a good start, but. All right. So you've just filled 30, 40 seconds there with Stay tuned, everyone. Good. If you want to know this stat, you have to wait till the end. All right. Well, people are going to get pretty cheered up now and by people I mean you I'm already cheered up thinking about it because it's funny but Nick <laughs> what yes actually no Vito you've been sitting quietly Nick's been talking nonsense Vito what on earth happened at the Stadio San Paolo because Milan were 2-0 up they were coasting 
Napoli were mm. dead. And then I, Zielinski and Mertens scored. Napoli won 3-2. Mm-hmm. And everyone's laughing at me about again. Yeah. Uh, what a surprising... Res- Maybe not the actual scoreline is surprising, but just the whole outcome, just the way the game progressed was surprising. The thing that surprised me the most was the way AC Milan played. I didn't expect them to be this possession-based passing team trying to play, you know, like Tiki Taka or something like that or Sari Ball. It was really surprising that Gattuso managed to set the team up like that. And they were playing with some, you know, great confidence. And Napoli... They looked a bit sluggish in that first half with the possession, but, you know, sometimes, you know, it takes just one player to make a difference and turn things around. And once it went to 2-0, that's when uh, Piotr Zielinski turned it around, scored two nice goals, especially that second one, and then Mertens was the hero, making a super sub-impact. So I think it's very good for Ancelotti to get two wins at the start of his, you know, coaching career at Napoli. And, of course, you know, they made two comebacks. So even if they are losing in games, it goes to show they have the team to turn things around when things are against them. Yeah, true. And two big wins as well. It should be it should be said. The Lazio game last week was an important win. Milan again, because these are direct rivals. Nick, stop nodding your head. You'll get your chance to speak in a minute. But, Vito, I'm going to stick with you because I got you to write about Peter Zielinski this week. And I think you're in agreement with me that this could be his season to really become one of their most important players. Without reiterating what I've written in the piece, I do think I do think that under Sarri, he was one of those guys that sort of plugged holes, that he was really a guy just to fill in for Hamsik or Insignia when necessary. Now it seems that Ancelotti is happy to put faith in him, fit him into his system, and it's performances like this that, you know, not only give confidence to players, but proves to coaches that this is a player to trust. This guy can make a difference. And Zielinski with those two goals has surely proved Ancelotti that he's worthy of staying in the first 11 for good. So hopefully he can progress from there because he is an exciting player to watch. He does have the talent and he can score those spectacular goals. So yeah, with this ideal confidence booster, it would just give an extra dimension to Napoli's game and, or Zielinski, who's now 24 years old, he should be coming to the prime of his career. And I think it's an ideal time for Ancelotti to come here and nurture him into the team properly. Yeah, Nick, Napoli do have options now. Um, I'm not sure how deep those options are or if they're just one player in attack, one player in midfield and a fullback. But it's not looking as bad as maybe it could have been, but it's still early. Oh, it's still very early, but all as I kind of said last week, that all the signs are there that they're not. I still don't think they're playing overly great, but they're getting the results and they're fighting back from from goal deficits. So um, the makings of a team that that certainly will be fighting for top three or top two um, are all there. They just need to kind of sort out a couple little things, uh, particularly with. Um, in particular, I think is Hamshik in the in the middle of that uh, three man midfield, and then Milik versus Therese uh, Mertens. What they do there, because when Mertens did come on, uh, he did look really well. Um, things just kind of flow a bit better when, when 
when they've got that combination there. So, um, you know, but we're two weeks in, so I'm sure Ancelotti is going to still try a couple more things here and there. But a uh, quick mention too to Alan, I thought he was just um, amazing. Um, uh, him and Z- obviously is off the back of your comments about Zielinski from both of you. Um, I think they've probably been the standout um, for Napoli so far this season and they're definitely making this um, this formation work and possibly in some ways making up for the for that hole almost in, in midfield from Marek Hamšík, which is, you know, I feel bad to say it because it's not really his fault, but um, there is definitely something lacking there. Yeah, it's, it is a strange one because who would have thought that Hamšík was going to be the weak point in this Napoli midfield? And it's getting to the point now where you see Alan and Zielinski who are kind of do similar enough things on the pitch and that they do absolutely everything, but Zielinski scores more goals. And then Hamšík, I can see there coming a point not too far away where Ancelotti turns to Diawara and gives him a run ahead of Hamšík and things just get even better because... Amshik obviously still has a role to play, but that isn't it. It's not in that position. Maybe they just flip reverse from last season. Hamshik comes on for Zielinski after 65 minutes every week, and that's that. And maybe gives him a game against the weaker teams if he wants to rest either Alan or Zielinski for the European games. But I don't know. It's a tricky one because Hamshik was speaking this week about how he feels at home and Naples, at how he feels Neapolitan. And I, I don't know, Nick, like, what happens? What hap- What does the future hold for Hamšík? What does this season hold for him? I don't know. I still think there's potential. I think there's more possibilities for him in in somewhat of a, a four two three one or or some kind of version of that, where you know possibly having Alan or even Alan and Diavara in that um, holding midfield, and then you've got you've got a huge selection there to possibly play Hamšík or Zielinski kind of just in front, give them some room to move there. I think that could work really well and working with Insigne and Callahan on either side and then Dries Mertens ahead. So, but then it goes back to then how do you share the time between Zielinski and Hamšík? So to your question, it's a hard one because where there's not really a position where you can put Hamšík in this team where he should be getting more than 70 minutes or, you know, I mean, even to justify 40, 50 minutes, even it starts to get a bit difficult, which is, again, it's, it's weird for me to be saying this, but it's, yeah, it's a tough one that Ancelotti is probably going to be putting a lot of thought into over the next couple of months. We should put a little asterisk beside everything you say about Hamshik and way down at the bottom of the page, just say Nick loves Hamshik more than he loves any other person. So for you to oh, be saying this. He's amazing. He's a great player. Like, Honestly. Do you love Hamshik more than you love me? Well, I mean, <laughs> I haven't had the pleasure of sharing a bed with Hamshik in on romantic nights in Italy, so <laughs> until he then it's, it's hard uh, to pass judgment. He didn't get invited to the wedding, did he? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, I haven't sent invites out yet, so. All right. Well, that's good enough for me. Maybe. I'm going. Um, right. What's happening in the comments then? Genoa will be Juve's real title nemesis, right? Sam Fox is at it. Fido, I'm not bringing you in on that one. But, again, we're getting the comments. People shouldn't have written them off before the start of the mm. season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that, is, that, is that just aimed at me? Yeah, I think so. I stand by it. I don't think <laughs> Napoli will be anywhere near the title. I think they have a well, very... No, no, well, okay. Wait, are they, are, let let me finish again, please. Let me no, finish. no, I want to ask you a question. <laughs> Who are you looking at? <laughs> There's a, a chap on the dogs over there. <laughs> <laughs> well you asked the question oh okay um, now that you've seen uh, after the first two games are you willing to say that, that to concede that Napoli will finish in the top four I don't think it's guaranteed that they'll finish in the top four no but if, if you had your predictions again where would you have them Napoli yeah I'd, I'd need to see Milan play one more time because that's that's where it was <laughs> Because I was between Milan and Napoli for fourth, and to be fair, Milan were as good for as were good for as long as Napoli were this weekend. It's just they bottled it. Um, so yeah, let me see Milan a few more times, and then I'll give it back. I'll give you new predictions right. over the international. Maybe I'll, just, I'll ask you this every week until yeah, you put them into the top four. That's that's fine, but I do think they are yeah. still at risk because if you look at this game, Adam Digby, who's after what he did this week, is officially a friend of our podcast. I'll explain that to you guys off air. But he, he made quite a good comment, which was that Napoli were terrible until Ancelotti reverted to Sarismo. And then they just did what they knew and they won 3-2. Mm. Um, but I, I look, it, it is positive that they came back again, as they did last week from behind to win, and as they did more than any other side in Serie A last season. So there is still something there. Um, but calm down, Napoli fans. I, I like you guys, but let's not be talking about the Scudetto again because we saw that one last year um, right are we going to talk about Milan then Vito I've pretty much said my piece about Milan I was just still shocked by the approach really but um, Higuain wasn't all that impressive Bonaventura had a top game though I was happy with him not just his goal his goal is important mm. oh my god 
was a great uh, strike. I'm gonna th- right. This is gonna become a weekly feature for me. Gary Burkles was on Cocom again, and after watching oh, the fourth or fifth replay of Bonaventura's goal, he decided to say, "Oh, he should have hit it with his left foot." <laughs> what? Look what he did. Look just appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, technically, yes, it would have made more sense for him to hit it with his left foot. But after doing that, just shut up and enjoy that because you don't see goals like that too often. Mm. Mm. But right, yeah, Vito spoke earlier, Nick, about how he was impressed by Milan's possession play, which I quite was too. But then the Bonaventura goal basically just came from a, a long diagonal ball, a header back, a bloody brilliant header back from Fabio Barini as well, it should be said. And then Bonaventura yeah, goes off that moment, the magic. Gattuso, if we're going to look at the few positives you could take from Milan out of that game, they look like they have a few different tricks up their sleeve when they're on the ball, which can only be a good thing. Yeah, 100%. I think I touched last week that there's so many more options for that um, starting 11 now in, in going forward. Um, and just having Higuain's presence there provides you know, the, the likes of Bonaventura to get more space around the box. So, yeah, there's going to be more options and more of those kind of goals where, you know, they have the players that can actually do that kind of thing. Uh, one thing I will say, you know, I, I'm like you, you know, it's hard to really pass too much judgment on Milan after just that one game, which was a bit kind of, you know, random, to be honest. But Lucas Biglia, I thought, was um, very disappointing. Um, oh, he's gone. He looks like he is gone. He's... Um, just like I was willing, like he got a, quite a bit of criticism last season and I was willing to kind of give him the benefit of, of the doubt with a lot of that, but he looked just so far behind the the ball, like just a, a, a spent force almost. So, which is a bit disappointing, but yeah, I'm not sure how long he can stay in that, uh, the middle of that def- um, of midfield because he did not look on. Maybe it was a really bad day, but. We'll see what happens there. I think I think he's had too many of those in the last year for it to be written off as a bad day. When he was at Lazio, he was one of my favourite players. Seriously, yeah, he was 100%. brilliant. He's he does everything when he's on it, but when he's not, he's he's so slow now. He can barely yeah, move. So slow. He just becomes so exposed. Um, I, I'm I think I'm done talking about Milan. Like they've played one game. I think they'll be all right. Um, they'll be challenging for the Champions League I'm sure and if not we'll be talking about them every single week don't you worry about it so let us pass on this one right we have to talk about Fiorentina and again I'm going to sound like the miserable guy because Fiorentina won 6-1 I confess I was at a game so I didn't see this and Benassi got two Chiesa got one Simeone got one good spreading the goals around but it was Chievo Nick what do you think? Like, Fiorentina will probably have a good season. We spoke about them in the preview pod, said they've built quite a good side, but take this with a pinch of salt because everyone was predicting Kiva to get relegated this season, except for Dolph. Yeah, um, look, I mean, take the confidence from it for sure. Um, it's great that they're scoring goals and, you know, they'll, they'll take that into the next few matches. But when you look at a lot of those goals, I mean, the space that they had in the box there was ridiculous. Ridiculous for some of them. It was just Kievo looked terrible, like proper terrible. Um, yeah, they're going to struggle. So, I mean, yeah, awesome for Fiorentina. Take nothing away from that. You know, it's it's good that, you know, I guess to what we were saying before, particularly you, Vito, with they didn't just sit on a 
2-0 lead, they they went on with things and they put them to the sword. So it's good to see your team actually do that, but Kiev mm-hmm. are all sorts, absolutely all sorts. So yeah. not looking good. Vito, was it you who tipped Fiorentina as your ones to watch this season? Yes. Yeah. Especially with the front three they've got this season. So I think um, they can play some good football and, uh, you know, progress from here. But as you guys have said just now, um, Kiev will look very poor. And it just goes to show how excellent Stefano Sorrentino has been for them. He has been immense for them over these years. And I think it was Andrea Sekulin that played in goal. And to be honest, I feel a bit sorry for him. But at the same time, you can't just blame one player because at the end of the day, I think Kiev in general, if we're just basing on the, those goals, it doesn't look like there's any sort of structure or urgency there. Uh, Fiorentina was just cutting them apart with just great ease. And if they can't get Sorrentino back in the next few weeks, it's really going to be a huge uh, problem for them. And this season could be a real nightmare for them. Yeah, you... But... Again, it's so hard because they looked all right against you. But I know they were defensive, but they, they looked okay. Um, Calories Sassuolo, the prince is off the mark. They they drew two each. Pavoletti got two, as he's going to do plenty of times this season for Calgary, I'm sure. And Domenico Berardi got the other for Sassuolo before Kevin Prince-Boateng scored in the, what was it, the 100th minute or something in Sardinia to oh, equalize? Ninety-seven. Uh, it was it was late anyway um what else have we got we won't dwell on that all right i'm looking at oh spal beat parma in another derby they're doing quite well maximum points for them this season atalanta b are doing well um i think they will probably go ahead of them again tomorrow when they beat rome at the olympico but that's another thing you're missing the big one connor a huge match from the weekend I'm getting to Udinese Sampdoria if that's what you're talking about. <laughs> well, because I was talking about <laughs> I, I think this uh, might be why Vito wasn't in the best of moods at the start of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Not only did Sampdoria start, they lost against Udinese. Vito, what happened? Well, that's what happens when you don't get your midfield right. But oh, it was a holding midfielder. That's what I was going to ask. Was Barreto playing as a regista again? Actually, he was, but he surprisingly, he wasn't the worst player. Mind you, once Ekdo came on, Ekdo was good. Barreto played as the box-to-box midfielder and showed his true colours. So he went back to the old Barreto once Ekdo was on. But yeah, Ekdo and Saponara, you could tell they made a bit of a difference. Yankdo was disappointing. So um, yeah, hopefully going forward... We see less of Barreto and more of Eto and Saponara. Ramirez was poor too, so not happy. And Linetti should have had a hat-trick, but Scuffet was good in goal. I'm quite excited about Ricardo Saponara at Samp this year. I was kind of confused mm. when he went there because of his emotional affection with Fiorentina and everything that happened there last year, given how close he was to a story and that. But then I realised that Marco Giampaolo is the guy who got the best out of him at Empoli, so that is a move that probably yeah, makes no sense. You should be excited about that one, I think. Sam Fox oh, yeah. says Samp will be in trouble this year. Vito, is that reactionary or has he got a point? We did say they'd probably be in trouble last year and look what happened. <laughs> uh, look, it all comes down with uh, Gianpaolo's obsession with Barreto. 
put it this way, he might come across as a nice guy or he might be good in the locker room, but at the end of the day, on-field performances have to take priority. And you might be good with your teammates outside of the pitch, but you've got to deliver results. And I think the more Barreto plays, and also another thing too is we've got to improve our away record. So if we don't do well on the road and Barreto keeps playing, we've got no hope of playing in Europe. But relegation's easy. And for those who are superstitious, uh, the only thing you should keep an eye on are the digits of a year. If it's dub- if the last two digits are double digits, so like 1966, 77, 1999, 2011, that's when we'll get relegated. The one exception was 1988 because I was born in that year and we won the Coppa Italia. So <laughs> maybe 2022, yeah. something's got to happen. You've only got three seasons left at this rate. Yeah, I know. It's scary. You should be worried, but it, you never know. It's, I am. That's quite a weird one, you know. I hadn't noticed that before. Yeah. Aaron Holland did actually want us to talk about Papa Gomez and his performance last week because it was in the last round. I'm not going to dwell on it too much, but he won the, the first ever FIF Player of the Week, two goals, two assists, and he was unbelievable. It was only Frozenone, though, so <laughs> that'll happen. Though that being said, Frozenone <laughs> threw with Bologna today in <laughs> Turin. Can we... Can we talk about this? Frosinone, who are from sure. Lazio, played a home game in Turin. Yeah, mind-boggling. It's, um, it's, it's a punishment for the business they got up the to playoffs. last year, I think, isn't it? Yeah. But still, I, I was so confused by that. And then yeah, I had it explained to me by someone who's more intelligent than me, so I was happy enough. But only in Italy. Would that happen? But Roma, Atalanta, we won't talk about it. Aaron, I didn't mean to make it sound like a walkover. It was obviously a joke. But Atalanta haven't lost there since 2014, which is a game that, incidentally, I was at. So if me being in Italy is a good omen for Roma, then be happy because I am here. And I'm nervous, to be honest, because you guys beat us in Bergamo the first day last season. Uh, Kolarov got that free kick, which I will never forget because I was heartbroken because we had just that day. And I don't know. I think Atalanta's focus will very much be on Thursday night going to Copenhagen. So, yeah, Aaron, I think you might get yourself up on six points as well as the big boys spell tomorrow night. Uh, Nick, were you wanting to cut in? You've unmuted your mic. Oh, no, just, you know, joining in the fun. All right. Um, is that it? Is that it? <clears throat> no, we've got one more game, Connor. Genoa. Genoa. The game. The game. You, you, were there. you, you, you went to the match, mate. <laughs> I am back from the game <laughs> an hour. And I've forgotten about it. Um, I think I think this might actually be the real reason Vito's a bit down today. Genoa get a big win. It's, it's like a, it's kind um, of a double, hit, a double hit for Vito today. So we have to. Excuse. It was. It's it's it a was. tough one. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what? And actually. I enjoyed this um, more for the experience than the actual game itself because it wasn't great. Genoa went 2-0 up, up pretty early on and then just invited Empoli on and stayed tight and they got the job done. But this was a game, everyone head over to ForzaItalianFootball.com and read my match report on it because my report focuses more on stuff that happened away from the pitch than what happened on it. It was quite nice being there because this is obviously the first game to be played in Genoa since the um, the bridge collapsed. And the Genoa Ultras planned 43 minutes of silence 
from kickoff and that silence started long before the teams ever came out on the pitch during the warm-ups the ultras were dead quiet you could hear conversations that were happening like 12 rows in front of the press box and stuff it was so bizarre and then the usual call and responses the players names were read out was just there was no response um so the the announcer guy clearly got a bit nervous so he just started whizzing through it as quickly as he could get away with and then the teams came out no applause very little applause picked up as they kind of got into their positions and then there was the most impeccable minute silence I've ever had the pleasure of being there. For pleasure is a strange word to use in that situation, but it was spine tingling, honestly. Like talking about it now, the hairs on my neck are standing up. It was, it was unbelievable. And then even as the teams got ready for kickoff, people were just kind of having conversations, and everyone around them was shushing them. Just there, there was to be no noise whatsoever, and it was really weird because Antonelli nearly got the ball away, and uh, Kwame got in almost and there was this brief gasp of excitement and then everyone kind of remembered the situation and just stopped making all the noise they were making and then out of habit when Genoa won a free kick or a corner or something there'd be applause that would then very quickly trickle into silence again it was a very strange experience even when Genoa got the goal the first goal it was it was quiet but they kind of celebrated the second one a little bit more but not too much but yeah, a big win for Genoa. Empoli were pretty poor, sadly. I was excited to see them. Um, but that's all I really have to say. The game was nothing remarkable, but the experience certainly was. It was, it was quite nice to be there. Right, we're getting some questions in. Um, Aaron Holland, you guys think any last-minute business will be done this week? Well, the, the window is closed for Italian club signing players, but they can still sell. And Aaron says that you think Strutman might be going. Nick, any thoughts? Uh, well, I haven't seen the confirmation here, but. You have just muted your mic in the middle of a sentence. You absolute moron. I thought I was pressing something else. That's amazing. <laughs> that's a good effort. That's. that's, that's hey, I can't this is just round two. Yeah. Imagine where we're going to be at round 38. There it won't go. be last oh, season. Jesus. People go back and watch the first <laughs> podcast from last season. I started speaking and then you could just hear my voice again in the background because I forgot to mute the live stream. And I was like 10, less than 10 seconds into the season was our first fuck up and it was my fault. Anyway, Nick, continue. Um, so I was just kind of asking the question if, if anyone had heard actual confirmation of this because it looked like Strutman was going to be a done deal to Marseille. Uh, 25 million I was hearing euro, but um, I'm not sure if that's gone through or not. Anyone able to? Um, as far as I know, it's if it has gone through, it hasn't been confirmed by either club yet, but it does right. look like it's going to go through. Uh, Sport Media set were reporting that he's traveling to Marseille. He said his goodbyes and he'll do his medical there tomorrow. So usually when these reports come out, once people start talking about the timing of the medical, that's it. So, yeah, it's pretty off. Um, yeah, Filippo, it's, uh, interesting. Filippo wants some thoughts on Atalanta's Europa League second. Like, it's going to be tough, but nil-nil is not always a bad result at home because Copenhagen haven't scored and Atalanta are well capable of scoring. I think they've scored like 14 goals in their five Europa League qualification games. Nick, I thought you were saluting us and saying goodbye there, which is sad. But yeah, it's it's going to be difficult there. They've 
they've got quite a good home crowd as well. Like when I can, I remember watching them in the Champions League a few times and being almost intimidated watching it through my TV. So it's going to be a tough test, but I wouldn't be too terrified. I'm nervous though. I'm definitely nervous. Brian Bolden. I'm hoping Zidane to Manchester United. I have absolutely no thoughts on that. Vito, do you want to? It's not to do with Italian football, but go ahead. Uh, the only thing I'd bring up about that is, uh, um, well, I heard one rumour that Antonio Conte was a contender for that job. So that's a bit of an Italian flavour to it. But oh. I don't think Conte would suit Man United. Speaking of Conte, someone earlier wanted us to talk about the, the idea of him at Milan. Um, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? You can take that. Ooh. I don't know if he'd go to Europe based on his Europe past, but, you know, as the saying goes, money talks. So if they offer the right, right wage, I'm sure he'll take it up. And at least he's still coaching a team that's historically a big club. So with the new look Milan off the field, that might be able to sway him around. So let's see what happens, but... Uh, I think it's harsh if Gattuso's on the chopping block already. I mean, they've changed coaches so much in the last five years and I don't think it's really worked out so far. He'll be sacked by November, let's be honest. It's just the cycle of a Milan coach. Nick, I think we're mm. I think we're done. Guys, we're nearly at an hour. We did quite well. I'm fucking tired. <laughs> um, anyone else got anything to ask or add? Hey, that's uh, it for now. I've got a nice stat. Of course you have something else to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, make it short and sweet, Nick. Well, this, was, uh, this is the only reason people stayed listening to hear this stat. So, okay, just say it. Um, so this season is just, is the equal worst start for Inter equaling their one-point effort in 2015-16 season? That wasn't that long ago. <laughs> Yes, equaling that. Okay, which is, I thought you were saying there were equaling that. No, no, <laughs> that wouldn't be very good. But those two seasons combined are the equal worst start since 1983 when they scored, when they lost their two opening matches. So, where did they finish um, that season, Nick? They finished that season in fourth, Connor. And do you know who won the title? You Yeah. <laughs> it's like, of course yeah. they did, bastards. <laughs> they Verona or something, you know? Like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah I thought uh, football uh, nothing, nothing interesting. Um, but yeah, there you go. That's, um, I don't know if that's positive or negative for Inter, but um, in positive news, Fodja got a win to start Serie B season, 4 2 over Carpi. So, mm. um, yeah, Crotone lost, which wasn't great, but um, you're still speaking. Three nil to Cittadella. I'm just seeing how how long I can go until you just kick me off this. Thing. Oh, actually, so, no. While we're talking about say B, there's a lot of southern clubs in there, and by southern I'm including Palermo. Um, Nick, you got a bit of hate. Oh, I got into trouble. You did get into trouble. <laughs> do you want to yeah. do you want to backtrack or are you going to double down? No, well, look, okay. But for, I'll tell people saying, what happened. Nick said that the Islanders don't count as Southern teams. I always consider them as Southern teams. Well, well now you're saying... No, 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 no. I said this last week as well because they're not Northern. I just consider them as Southern, you know? Um, 
Yeah, Nick, you got in trouble. Yeah, well, I mean, look, all I said was, in my opinion, I don't consider them as southern because it's more relating to the mainland. Because, as I said last week, if you ask a Sicilian, are they do they count as southern mainland? Then they they, they consider themselves completely separate. So that's why you know that means their true. own like mm. like so. That's that was my point. If if you want to follow a Palermo or a Catania or anyone because they are in your heart that they're southern, then you know what you be you. I'm happy for you to do that, but I just happen to have a different thought on it, and that's fine. You know what? You don't the world is full of different opinions. You don't need well, to I'm, be condescending. I'm not being condescending. I'm saying I'm saying everyone be whatever they want to be. And that's, uh, that's good. That's you I know. Hope that boy comes back and beats you up. I mean, probably will. <laughs> I was I was loving it when I saw that comment come out. It's like yes, <laughs> Nick's, getting, Nick's getting in trouble. Um, but, but yeah, Casenza uh, um, got a draw to start this season too, which isn't bad. Uh, Lecce and um, Benevento play their first game tomorrow, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll keep everyone on Southern Watch. Um, uh, unfortunately, my Southern Watch won't include Palermo, but um, it's all about the main plan for Nick. <laughs> Sorry, no, actually, but, you know, I was what? at the game tonight. I was looking up where Alfredo Donnarumma is now because he was good when he was at Empoli, and he is at Brescia, which I thought was weird. And then I remember yeah. that someone else tipped Brescia to get promoted. It's just some guy on Twitter. I don't remember who it was. That would be fun if Russia and Atalanta had their derby in Serie A. Because Atalanta would smash them. They would. Yeah, but it's another Chilino circus there. They got David Suazo as coach. Oh, really? It's his first job from memory, yeah. David Suazo. Mm. See how that goes. But they got the next Sandria Pirlo there, Sandro Tonali. So that's something to keep, someone to keep an eye out for. All right, good. You know what? I've got oh. another quick little <laughs> Make it quick because well, I think we've been on for over an hour. <laughs> well, while I was in St. Petersburg, I saw for a match between Sweden and Switzerland, I just randomly saw someone walking down the street in a Brescia shirt. I thought that was amazing. So I had a good chat to him. So there you go. Nice. That's all I've got for this week. Aaron. You've asked us Donnarumma's decline begun. We're not getting to that. Ask us next week, okay, because I'm done. I'm done. I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. And I, oh, no. I have so much work to do. I, I don't think the listeners care, mate. No, I've just realised <laughs> I'm not getting to sleep tonight. Okay, um, Vito, Nick, thanks. I will Welcome. talk to you again next week, I guess. Um, read ForthoTalingFootball.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Forza Italian Football on Twitter at Serie FFC. Um, yeah. Bye. <laughs> Ciao, everyone. <laughs>
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.